Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Bibles with you this morning. Turn to John chapter 16. We're still teaching on the mighty Holy Ghost. The mighty Holy Spirit. You can call him Spirit, you can call him Ghost. It doesn't make any difference. It means the same thing. I usually call him the Holy Ghost because I spent most of my early years studying in the King James Bible and that's what King James called him, the Holy Ghost. I added the mighty part because he is mighty. Amen? Amen? But he is the third person of the Trinity. We don't have time to review our last four lessons. This is the fifth lesson on the mighty Holy Ghost. And I don't even think I've scratched the surface yet. I didn't think it would turn into such a long series. But I'm going to go as long as the Holy Ghost leads me. Amen? Amen? But he's the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead. He's equal with the Father and the Son in essence, in other words, in soul, spirit, nature, life, uh, life, blood, core, heart, center, crux, the nub, the nucleus. He is, in essence, exactly like the Father and the Son. Yes. And it, uh, hallelujah. But since one of the major aspects of God's nature is that he is a person, it also follows that the Holy Ghost is a person as well. And uh, we might not realize it right now, but by the time we're finished today, you're gonna realize the importance of us recognizing him as a person with a personality. And he is definitely a person because God is a person and Jesus is a person. So that's what I wanna talk about this morning, the personhood of the Holy Ghost. Is he a person or some kind of nebulous force floating around in the ether wave, some kind of a mysterious power that we can't communicate with or have a relationship with? And so we're going to spend time this morning uh, to prove that he is a person because it is essential to our relationship with him. If we don't recognize him as a person, it's going to, re- it's going to affect our relationship with him. So let's start with the conversation that Jesus had in the 16th chapter of John's gospel concerning the Holy Ghost. And Jesus here is describing, among other things, the Holy Ghost ministry or his function. Uh, He's describing his job description. And he says in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away... The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. That is the only sin that's unto death. That's the real sin that the world needs to be concerned with, is not believing on Christ. Every other sin can be forgiven except this one. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. 
I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I know this is hard to comprehend right now, but everything Jesus has, we have. Paul said that we're joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we share in everything that the Father has given to Christ. And I think we have a hard time recognizing uh, the Holy Ghost as a person because we, uh, because of the of what we refer to him as. We we, we refer to him as the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Ghost and that throws us off a little bit and it, and it hinders our relationship and uh, but here's the problem the Holy Spirit isn't really his name we call him the Holy Spirit we call him the Holy Ghost but that's not really his name that is his function that is his job description that is what he does as part of the triune Godhead for example we have God the Father and God the Son well, let's look at God the Father. God is his name. Father describes his function. He is a father. He does fatherly things. And he is the father of all living things. So God is his name. Father is his function. Jesus is God the Son or God the Savior. So God is his name. And his function is to be the Savior of the world. And he is. And he did a great, a great job of being the Savior of the world. And then we have the Holy Ghost. But in reality, his name is actually God, the Holy Ghost. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. His name is God. Holy Ghost is his function. Holy Spirit is his job description. And we just looked at that in John chapter 16. His function is the spirit that indwells us, anoints us, empowers us leads us, guides us in all truth, teaches us all things. That is his function. That is his job description. That is not his name. So in order to be a person, you must have some qualifying attributes. And uh, this is what constitutes personhood. First of all, a person has to have a soul. If you don't have a soul, you're not a person. A tree doesn't have a soul. A brick doesn't have a soul. A chair doesn't have a soul. And the soul consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Now, you might be able to communicate with the chair or communicate with the tree, but it's not going to answer you back. Therefore, you cannot have a relationship. I know some people have relationships with trees and inanimate objects. And yes, we can speak to them. Jesus told us to speak to inanimate objects like mountains and trees and things. But you can't have a relationship with them. Why? Because they have no soul. Yes. They're not a person. They're not personable. Right. They don't have a personality. And so in order to be a person, you have to qualify by having a soul which consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's what a soul consists of. And so if you don't have those attributes, you don't qualify for personhood. 
So we need to determine if the Holy Ghost qualifies for personhood. And uh, I think we all know up front that he is a person, but it's important that we go over these attributes and, and we prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that he's a person because you'll find that it will increase your relationship with him. It will enhance your relationship with him if you recognize him properly. So the Holy Ghost would never be able to... Uh, identify with us. Jesus identified with us because he came down here and became one of us. So he knows what it is to have feelings and emotions. He knows what it is to uh, desire things. He knows what it is to will things. And he knows what it is to do without things. He knows what it is to do with things. Why? Because he experienced them. He became a person. And he has a personality. He has a soul. And so the Holy Ghost uh, being sent by him, and matter of fact, in some places it even says that I will come to you. Talking about the Holy Ghost, Jesus says, I will come to you. So that's how close they identify with one another. Jesus and the Holy Ghost and God are one. Amen. And those three make up one Godhead. Amen? Amen. So in order to understand the soul, you have to have one yourself. You must have a mind a will and an, and emotions. If you don't have a soul, you can't understand the attributes of a soul. Amen. So it's important that the Holy Holy Ghost understands what a soul is. Yeah. But what's amazing is the fact that this person, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of us for the purpose of leading, guiding us, and empowering us and anointing us for ministry. We looked at the anointing last week. But if you want to know what God thinks about something or what God desires about any part of your life, ask the God that's living inside of you because he, he knows what God desires. Amen. He knows what's God, what God is thinking. So if you want to know what God is thinking or desires about a certain situation in your life, ask him, the Holy Ghost, God, the Holy Ghost inside of you. Uh, he's able to tell us what God thinks what God desires, which is his will, and what God feels because he is God. So the Holy Ghost is trying to get you to think like God, to desire the things that God uh, desires, and to uh, act like God, to, to walk like God, to feel the things that God feels. And, uh, you know, that's one of the most effective teachers is when you're able to feel somebody's uh, what somebody's going through. And uh, we have a God that can be touched by our infirmities because just like us, he felt all the things that we felt. He can understand us because he's been through them. And uh, when I put myself in somebody else's shoes, which I do all the time, that's the only way I can look at a situation or a person's problem fairly, is put myself in his shoes or her shoes to see and feel what they're seeing and what they're feeling. And then I can have compassion on them. Then I, because when I'm in their place, I can feel what they're feeling. And I can understand their situation better. This is what God does. He feels what we feel. He put himself in our position. And he suffered everything that we ever suffered. So that he would know what things felt like. He can be compassionate because of that. And it helps me tremendously when I'm trying to minister to somebody. Uh, if you turn things off and you put yourself outside of their problem, 
and you look at their problem from a distance, you'll never have the compassion that you need to help them. You got to get in them. You got to get in the same place there. You need to feel the things that they're feeling. And we do that as parents with our children. We feel what they're feeling. And so we can be compassionate with them. But we should be like that with everybody. Amen? Yes. So in order to qualify as a person, the Holy Ghost must have a soul. He must have a mind, a will, and emotions. And you won't find that in some kind of a nebulous force or some kind of mysterious power that's just floating around out there. Number one, he has a mind. So the first thing we notice is Paul said in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. That's the mind of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. And then in 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, uh, this in the Amplified, For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. He has a mind. And we're supposed to feel the thoughts, purposes, and intents of his heart. Why? We have to put ourselves in that position in order to fully understand. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I, I don't know if you realize by now, but all it's the, what we read in John, the 16th chapter, and here is talking about the Holy Ghost and it's using pronouns, he, him. It's not saying it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it. Uh, well, there's one place that it says it, but it's, it's translated and accurately, and that's in the King James and in Romans 8. We'll look at it in a few minutes, but it says the spirit itself. But he is not a it. Amen. It's translated in every other translation himself. King James missed it on that one, but it's the Holy Spirit himself. He's a him. He's a he. He's, he's uh, uh, described as a pronoun. He's not a, a, some kind of nebulous force. And in order for him to guide us into all truth, that means he must know all truth. And in order for him to uh, lead us in knowledge, would tell us that he has to know all knowledge. And he's omniscient, which means he's all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And in order to know anything, you have to have a mind. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so this is talking about having a mind. This is talking about the Holy Spirit being able to remind us of things. And, you know, I talked about it before. It's one thing to have head knowledge. It's another thing to have something in your spirit. But the things that he brings to your remembrance are the things that you committed, not only to your mind, but to your spirit. But when he brings it up from your spirit, where does it have to go? To your mind. And then it has to be translated or whatever and then comes out of your mouth and so the mind is very important and he can't understand the mind he can't have uh know all truth or have all knowledge if he didn't have a mind can you imagine the mind of the holy ghost 
you know, they say that even a genius only uses like one-tenth or one-percent of his mind or his brain. And here we have the mind of the Holy Ghost is, is fully functional, a hundred percent. Hallelujah. Just give us one percent of that mind. Hallelujah. So if he's going to teach us all things, he has to know all things. And this all-knowing person is living on the inside of us. He knows everything, but he said he wants to teach us all the things that he knows and guide us into all truth. He, want, he knows everything. He wants to teach us what he knows. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe not this side of glory, but on that side of glory, we may, we may realize that we can learn a lot more than we're learning down here. But if we don't recognize him as a person, then we would never ask him any questions because you'd never expect an answer from a tree or a chair or some type of inanimate object. Uh, and so if you don't think he's a person that you can have a relationship with who has a personality, who is personable, then you'll never ask him a question. You can't have a relationship like that. And why would you ask him a question if you didn't expect an answer? I don't question the chair because I know the chair is not going to answer me. But this person, the third person of the Godhead, he will answer me. Maybe not when you think, but he will answer you. He's helped me this week working on that lawnmower. After I served my time and was let out on probation, I went back down there to finish working on this lawnmower. And I, basically what it was, I'm not going to get technical, but it was adjusting the valves. And it can be a little confusing. I did it years ago on an old Volkswagen I had. You had to adjust them all the time. And uh, I left out one important part. Uh, the lawnmower has a V-twin engine, so there's two cylinders, two pistons, two sets of valves. You have two valves for every cylinder, an intake valve and an exhaust valve. And so you have to bring the cylinder up to top this center. In other words, the cylinder has to be at the top of its uh, stroke on the combustion stroke in order to set the valves. I remembered that. I did that very well on one side, and then I went immediately to the other side and adjusted the valves without bringing that piston top dead center, because there's two separate pistons and they operate independently of each other. Or not independently, but one's up and one's down and vice versa. And when I started it back up, it just didn't run right, you know? So I took it apart, I tried it again. I, I thought maybe my adjustment slipped. It didn't work. I said, all right, Holy Ghost, I've been bragging about you for the last four weeks. I said, I need your help on this. And don't you know he showed me he says, you did, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, it just come to my mind. The thing you did to the number one piston, you failed to do in the number two piston. I knew immediately I need to bring that to top dead center and then adjust the valves on that side. And when I did that, put it back together, the thing run perfect. Chris is cutting my grass with it right now. Uh -uh. I wasn't allowed to cut grass yesterday, so... That's another story. But Chris is cutting it right now with that lawnmower. So thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then later I might tell you about a miracle I, I had with the Holy Ghost. But it might seem a little too far fetched for you right now. I don't know if you're ready for it yet. 
But we talk about God the Father, we talk about Jesus the Son all the time, and it's because we have a relationship with him. But we don't talk to the Holy Ghost the way that we should because we don't recognize him as a person. We recognize him as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We know he's in us. We know he's all his functions, his job description. We read it, but we don't look at him as God, the Holy Ghost, and we should. And when we start recognizing him as God, the Holy Ghost, as a person with a personality, then we will start to develop a relationship with him that we never had before. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many knows we need a relationship with the Holy Ghost? Yeah. So we should have the same kind of relationship with God the Holy Ghost that we have with God the Father and, and God the Son. Same relationship. He's not only a person, but he's personable and he has a personality. Number two, the Holy Ghost has a will. And there's a lot more scriptures in this. I might read a few at the end if we have time. Uh, but different scriptures that describe his mind, his will, and his emotions. I picked out some really prevalent ones that stood out. But uh, he has a will in, in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So the Holy Ghost forbade them from preaching in Asia, at least at this time. Later, he did allow them to go into Asia and preach the gospel. But the word forbidden, when I looked it up, it means to exercise your will. When you forbid somebody from doing something, you're exercising your will over their will. Now, they wanted to go and preach in Asia, and the Holy Ghost says, no, I forbid it. So he exercised his will and authority over them, and he forbade them from going into Asia. And if you're a parent, then I'm sure that at one time or another, you had to forbid or for, you forbade your children from doing something, certain things or whatever. And you did it for a reason. It wasn't because you're a prude or you want to be mean or uh, you don't love them. You did it because you did love them. And so uh, it's the same with the Holy Ghost. He has a will. And he overrode their will with his will. And his will is the same will as the Father's. So when the Holy Ghost forbade them to go into Asia and preach the gospel, it came from the Father. Because they're always in agreement. And he, he speaks what he hears the Father speak, does what he sees the Father do. Uh, and, and he wills the things and has the desires of the Father. So when he forbade them, the Father had forbade them. And if you want to know God's will for your life, then you can ask the Holy Ghost that's living inside of you, and he will reveal that to you. It's not a secret, but he wants you to ask. And uh, here's another thing I noticed as I was looking up scriptures. We can't really pray without the Holy Ghost. And I'm not just talking about praying in our, our heavenly language or praying in the spirit. I'm saying we don't have the knowledge to pray properly without the Holy Ghost. Look at Romans 8, chapter 8. And we'll see that we can't pray effectively without the help of the Holy Ghost. 
In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. And what is that weakness, Lord? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's your weakness. It is a weakness to not know how to pray as you should. But the Holy Ghost helps that weakness. King James says our infirmities. It's an infirmity to not know what to pray. But the Holy Ghost helps us. He says, but the spirit, the King James says itself. Uh, this is the new King James where he corrected it. It says the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And that word uttered means cannot be uttered in articulate speech. It's talking about articulate speech. So in other words, this is talking about our prayer language. This is talking about praying in the spirit right here. And then it says in verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is. The Holy Ghost has a mind. We looked at that already. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Ghost has a will. And what is the will? It's the desires. It's one's desires. It is God's desire that we know how to pray. It's God's desire that we know the mind of the Spirit, that we know His mind, His will, His desires. And it's the Holy Ghost that helps us do that. Because He said right here, we do not know what we should pray for as we are. But He helps us. It's a weakness and He helps us with it. He strengthens us in it. So the only way we're going to know the mind of God and the will of God is to know the God person who is living inside of us on a personal basis. He has a mind and he has a will. And his mind is the same mind as the Father's. Christ's mind is the same mind as the Father's. And his will is the same. They desire the same things all the time. They uh, think the same things all the time. So we are so, so, so privileged to have the indwelling presence of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Ghost living inside of us. It is a privilege to have that uh, happen to us. And, and it only happened since the church age began. Uh, did you know in the Old Testament, God never really spoke to the people except through the prophets? Nobody could just ask God a question and get an answer. They had to go to a prophet and the prophet would hear from God. And then there was a period of time, there was 400 years before the coming of Jesus to the earth where God didn't speak to anybody. 400 years of silence from the book of Malachi to the time that you see the beginning of the first gospel in the New Testament, that, that period of time was 400 years from the last prophet to Jesus. And God didn't say a word that whole 400 years. People went, went without a revelation, without hearing from God for 400 years. Could you imagine that? Not hearing from God for 400 years. And, and that's what happened to the people. He was silent. And then Jesus came and fulfilled God's will, gave his life for us, returned to heaven, and sent the Holy Ghost to live inside of us. And now we can hear from God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We can hear from God any time of the day or night. Amen. All we have to do is ask. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And why? Because he is God, the Holy Ghost, living inside of us. His name is God. Holy Ghost is his function. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have a personal relationship. And if you've got a personal relationship with God, the Holy Ghost, you have a personal relationship with God, the Father, and God, the Son. They're one. Hallelujah. This is the only way that God could live inside of us. Number three, the Holy Ghost has emotions. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 22nd, 23rd verse, we have what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Whose fruits are they? His. The fruits of the Spirit. And Paul tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit of God. This is the fruits of the Holy Ghost. And, and these are all the attributes of a person. A person loves. A person has joy. A person can feel peace and be patient and kind and faithful and gentle, have self-control. A tree can't have these things. A chair can't have these things. All of the fruits of the Spirit are characteristic of a person that can feel things. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. So the Holy Ghost can be grieved. Grief is a feeling. Grief is an emotion. Uh, we talked about it, uh, I think it was last week when we ministered, uh, that if you love, then you're going to feel grief at one time or another. And it's not always because somebody died. It's because they said something that hurt you, did something that hurt you. And, and because you love them, it makes you sad. It, it causes you to grieve. So love and grief go together. So he's telling us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we just read in Galatians uh, that the Holy Ghost can feel things like love and joy and peace. And now we read here in Ephesians that he can be grieved. And these are all emotions, but grief is probably the strongest emotion that a person can have. Grief probably affects a person more than any other emotion. But what does it mean to grieve someone? In the dictionary, it says uh, to grieve means to make them sorrowful. This is just a small sampling. Sad, cause them to cry, to weep, to shed tears, to be upset. It means to break someone's heart. That's what grief uh, causes. So why would the Holy Ghost grieve? Because he loves us that much. Yes. And if you love somebody, you're going to grieve over them at one time or another. Amen. And uh, how do you avoid grieving the Holy Ghost? I mean, if he told us to grieve not the Holy Ghost, then we should be wanting to know what causes him grief. We should be wanting to know what grieves him because we don't want to do it, right? Amen. And so if we want to know what grieves him, then the best way to find out is to read that passage, grieve not the Holy Ghost, verse 30 of Ephesians 4, in context. In other words, uh, read before it and read after it. Find out exactly what he's talking about when he says grieve not the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're going to do. Look at verse 25 of Ephesians 4. He says, therefore, putting away lying, 
Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So lying grieves the Holy Ghost. Then he says, be angry and do not sin. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Don't let your anger cause sin. So then verse 27 says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Settle your problems before you go to sleep. Nor give place to the devil. Because if you don't settle your problems, you're going to give place to the devil because he is going to speak to you. And he's going to tell you things and confuse you and tell you lies and, and, and make things worse than they actually are. But these things grieve the Holy Ghost. And then he says, let him who stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has a need. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we think, you know, we picture a thief going in a store and putting something under his coat and stuff like that. But, you know, stealing is taking anything that doesn't belong to you, including Amen. government benefits. Yes. And he mentioned here specifically to labor. So if you're able to labor, if you're able to work, then that's what you should be doing. You should be laboring and you should be working. Yes. And uh, if you can't work, yes, then enjoy the benefits because I pay for them. Taxpayers pay for them. Enjoy the benefits. But if you're able-bodied and you can work and you don't and you're collecting benefits that, that somebody else needs and should be getting, you're a thief. You're stealing. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Not that you guys needed to hear that, but somebody on the tape might hear it. But stealing grieves the Holy Ghost of any type or form. Not working and having something to give to someone that really needs it will grieve the Holy Ghost. Yes. If you're not working, somebody needs something, you don't have it to give because you weren't willing to work for it and earn it, that grieves the Holy Ghost. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. If it don't edify, it shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Uh, what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. If you're not edifying with your words, if you're not ministering grace with your words, right. it grieves the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Corrupt words coming out of our mouth like gossip and negative words that tear down uh, rather than edify and build up yeah. would grieve the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Words without grace and, and mercy and love grieve the Holy Ghost. These are things that grieve the Holy Ghost, and we're told not to grieve him, right? right? Now we come to verse 30 and it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we learned in the previous scriptures what grieves the Holy Ghost. But then he goes on to say, verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. He's not talking about, he's not done talking about corrupt communication. Be put away from you with all malice, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which means yelling, shouting, or screaming at someone in a hateful voice. That's what clamor is. And evil would grieve the Holy Ghost. These things grieve the Holy Ghost. And then he says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So not being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving would grieve the Holy Ghost. So we can sum this up real easy. What grieves the Holy Ghost is sin. S-I-N. That's what grieves the Holy Ghost. Uh, sin in your life will grieve him, and we're told not to do it. We're told not to grieve him. And here's the problem. We don't have a God consciousness. In other words, we're not conscious of the fact that God is living in us. Yes, that's right. And if we were conscious of the fact that God is living in us and we have a personal relationship with him, we won't want to grieve him. But if we don't have that God consciousness, if we don't realize that God is with us and in us everywhere we go, then we'll forget about his indwelling presence and we'll do things that grieve him and displease him, like the things we just talked about. And, you know, and it's not like we can tell him to wait outside the door while we go in some place that we don't belong and do something that we shouldn't be doing. It's not like you say, wait here, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. He goes in there with you. Yes, he does. He gets under the sheets with you. Mm -hmm. He pulls up to the bar with you. Mm -hmm. He buys something from the guy next to you, uh, or you buy something from the guy next to you, he's with you. Right. But we don't have that type of consciousness where we recognize that the Holy Ghost is with us. He's very conscious yes. of what we're doing, where yes. we're going, who we're seeing, yes, what sir. we're saying. Yes. And he's always there with us. Yes. If we can grasp this, it's like, I'm just using my wife as an example. If I take her with me everywhere I go, it will change my behavior. Yes, it will. Just knowing she's in the room right now changes my behavior. It changes the way I think, the things I say, the things I do, the places I go, the people I see. It changes all. It has an effect on that. Why? Because I'm conscious of her being with me. And there's some things I know will not please her, so I would never do those things. What? I'd never do those things anyway. Let me clarify that. But I would especially not do them with her present with me. But I have a consciousness of her presence. I know she's here. I know how she thinks. I know what she will say. I know how I would make her feel if I did certain things. That's how you have to feel about the Holy Ghost inside of you. You have to recognize that he's a person just like my wife. He has feelings. He has a mind. He has a will. He knows right from wrong. He, matter of fact, he knows everything. Yeah. I ain't going to say it. <laughs> he knows everything. And he's with us. Yes. All the time. Yes. All the time. Yes. Develop that consciousness. Yes. And it will change your life. Amen. But you can't have a consciousness like that if he is just the Holy Ghost. This nebulous force that the Bible yes. talks about, this yes. mysterious power that I can't have a relationship because he is way above me. And yet God says he's in you. He's yes. dwelling in you. Yes. He's a person with a personality. Yes. 
Yes. And he's very personable. Yes. You can have a conversation with him. It's not like a chair. No. And he will answer you and talk back to you. Amen. 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 This is the consciousness that we have to develop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's not like you can get angry and get away with them. You can't mistreat people and get away with it. You can't mistreat your spouse, your children, your friends, your boss or employer. You can't mistreat people and think you're getting away with it because you're not. Nope. It's grieving him. You can't cuss somebody out or use degrading words and uh, words that don't edify, words that are not mixed with grace, and him not notice it. He's there. He knows Amen. it. He hears it. He knows if you're wrathful, angry, abusive, because he's there. You can't fool him, and you can't slip nothing past him. Amen. And even when you tell him, wait outside here, he doesn't wait outside there. Amen. He goes where you go. He's a permanent indwelling. So when you do these things, it grieves the Holy Ghost and makes him sad. Not mad, it makes him sad. Uh, and, and we might think, well, if he just mind his own business, he wouldn't get grieved. He wouldn't get sad and sorrowful. But let me ask you this. Do you realize that you belong to God when you said, Jesus, I do? That you become his property. You're a child of God. He purchased you. He bought you with a price. And that price was his precious blood. You are not your own anymore. You belong to him. Amen. You're his property. Yes. So let me ask you this. Do you mind your own business when your children do something wrong? Uh-oh. Mm -mm. Why not? Because you want to be a busybody, because you want to be approved, because you want to be, you want to just spoil their fun. No. no, it's because you love them and you know what they're doing or about to do is going to cause them harm and hurt them. Yes. That's why you don't mind your own business. That's why he don't mind his own business because you are his business. I mean, would it make you sad if your children didn't heed your warnings? Yes. I mean, you know they're headed for a fall. Yes. You know they're about to get in trouble, about to get hurt. And you warn them and they go. Yep. Yes, sir. That would grieve you. Yes. Not that it would hurt you personally, but you yes. know it's going to hurt them. And that's what's going to hurt you. Yes. So that's the way the Holy Ghost feels. Amen. He's a person. Yes. And, and if you love your children, you, you would grieve if they did those things that caused them harm or hurt. So he's a person. He wants us to have a personal relationship with us. He wants to lead us and guide us through life and help us to do the right things in life. Why? So it benefits us, not him. It don't benefit him. Let me read you a few more scriptures and then we're going to close and have communion and receive communion. And hopefully these will reinforce the things that we've been looking at this morning. Uh, Acts 5.3, you don't have to turn to. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And this is Ananias and Sapphira trying to lie to the Holy Ghost. Yes. Uh, to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. Yes. So the Holy Ghost can be lied to. 
Why? Because he's a person. Acts 10, 19 and 20. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision he had, remember he was up on the, he took a nap on the roof of the house, had a vision, and the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So he reveals things to us and he instructs us. He tells us of things that are to come, right? He knows everything. Yes. He has all knowledge. But that's something to think about. He says, get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. He sent the three men. Yes. Why didn't he say God sent them? Jesus sent them. Go with them. He said, no, I sent them. Has he got some authority or what? Yes. Then Hebrews 10, 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Disdain means to disrespect. So he can be insulted and disrespected. If he was a nebulous force, a mysterious power of some type, he couldn't be insulted or disrespected. Acts 13, 2. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, not God, not Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 1 Corinthians 2.10, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the depths of God. Yes. John 15.26, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you, this is Jesus talking from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. He wouldn't be able to testify if he wasn't a person. Luke 12, 11 and 12, it says, And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost, that's his ministry to teach you uh, things that you should say to teach you all things, to lead you into all truth. So it's describing his ministry. So I know we spent a lot of time looking at scriptures this morning, and it's in an effort to prove to you that the Holy Ghost is a person. But like I said earlier, I, I really believe in my heart that you know that he is a person. But we don't have the mindset of him being a person. And that's what I want to correct this morning. I want you to have the mindset that he is a personable God. He is a personable person with a personality. He's living inside of you. And we have to develop a God consciousness yes. that everywhere we go, God is with us. Amen. There's no place he doesn't go with us. Amen. He sees all the, th although you choose to ignore that he's seeing things that you don't want him to see, he sees them. Yes. He hears them. Yes. He knows them. Yes. And it grieves him, it makes him sad, it disheartens him. And not because it, it hurts him, but because it's, it, if it's not hurting you now, it's going to hurt you down the road. Yes. 
Hallelujah. But this is why we spent time looking at this this morning. This is why it's so important that we recognize him as a person. Because if we don't recognize him as a person, then you will never develop a personal relationship Amen. with him. Amen. And you have to have a personal relationship with him. You know, I've always had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it's not nearly as uh, evident as my relationship with God and Jesus. I talk more about God and more about Jesus than I do the Holy Spirit. But I'm beginning to realize now that he's here with me yes. and he's in me yes. and he's a person, I'm a person. Yes. I should have a relationship yes. with him. Yes. And I know some, it sounds silly, but sometimes we need to talk to him. Yes. Even out loud. And, and and that's what I've been doing a lot more lately. Like I said, in the garage when I was working on that lawnmower, I literally talked to him. I said, you know everything. I know that this is nothing for you to do. And he showed me. Yes. He showed me what yes. to do. Yes. And then I, I'm going to share one more little thing. I call it a miracle. You guys are going to think I uh -uh. had too much medication. <laughs> but... In order to determine top dead center on the piston, the best way to tell is to stick something into the cylinder head through the spark plug hole and then turn the crank by hand until the piston comes up and just starts to go back down again and then bring it right back up and that's top dead center. So you, you determine this by the screwdriver going in and out of the piston hole or the spark plug hole. Well, I thought, I ain't gonna stick a screwdriver in there because if I scratch that cylinder wall, it's gonna it's gonna cause a repair that I don't want to get into. So I'm gonna use a soft pencil. So I put the pencil in there. I'm turning it by hand. The pencil cocked and broke off in the cylinder head. Now, not only was it a wooden pencil, but it had a metal thing on the end of it with an eraser that I knew would scar the cylinder walls if I could get it out of there. Only problem was a large enough part of the pencil broke off in there to where I couldn't turn it and position it to slide it out of the spark plug hole. In other words, it just wasn't enough room to turn it and get it in position right, to. Right. I tried a tweezers, I tried vacuum cleaner, I tried blowing it, I tried everything to change the position on that pencil to where it can at least start out of the hole. And so I was really frustrated because this mean this is a major repair now. You gotta tear the engine down, take the head off, everything. And uh, so I'm praying, I say, God, I need a miracle here. I said, Holy Ghost, help me. Yeah. I mentioned him by name. I says, help me. I said, this won't be a big deal for you. Help me get this thing out of there. Well, I had tried to get it with the tweezers and I couldn't get it because by the time you got the tweezers down that long threaded uh, hole for the spark plug, there wasn't enough tweezer to squeeze on to grab the pencil. And then even when I grabbed it, it popped right off because it was full of oil and the pencil was cocked. So I prayed that prayer and I had the tweezers in the hole, uh, but unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't know I had it on the pencil. And even if I did, I couldn't give it enough pressure to get it out. So anyway, I prayed that prayer and I pulled my tweezers out of there and I got the tweezers like this, and I'm looking for, 
I'm looking for my knife because I said, I know what I'll do. I'll get it close to the edge and I'll start whittling away at it. And I'm looking for my knife. I couldn't hang I look over here and that pencil was on the end of that tree. <laughs> it's my right hand to God. And I wasn't on no medicine. <laughs> I didn't take no pain pills yet. <laughs> so, so I'm telling you, that nobody's going to talk me out of it. The yeah. fact that that was a, that was a miracle. Right. That was a miracle. And so... It, it, it saved me a lot of grief, saved me a lot of trouble. I mean, my grass is this tall right now. I almost called Queenie to come out there and cut it for me with his lawnmower. But I got it running, and uh, Chris, like I said, Chris is cutting it right now. And then I'll be back on track again. But I'm telling you, that was a miracle. And all I had to do was ask him. I'll I, I tell you what, I was so tickled. But you know what? If I didn't recognize him as a person, I would have never asked him. I would have never asked him. I, I wouldn't have had that, uh, enough relationship to ask him a favor. And and I, I know it's not the same, but this is how we look at things, you know. Uh, I can't ask God for a favor. He's way up here. I'm way down here. But the Holy Ghost makes him personable. Yes, it is. And he's living inside of me. Yes. I can ask him a favor. Yes. I can ask him for things. Yes. I can ask him questions and he'll answer them. Yes. I'm telling you, we need to develop our relationship with yes. the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, we talked about the different experiences. You know, when you're born again, you're, you're, the Holy Ghost comes into you and he dwells in you. And so you have an indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. But in order to move into a, a experience that's subsequent to that, you have to be filled with the Holy yes. Ghost. Let's say you drink a glass of water. You got a glass of water in you, but you're not full. You keep drinking until it comes out of your ears. Now you're full. And that's the difference between being born again and, yeah. and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled to overflowing, that's when it becomes rivers yes. of living water. It's no longer just yes. a well. Now it's rivers of living water flowing out of you. That's right. And so, uh, and then I talked last week about uh, depleting and repleting. You know, yes. you get filled, you empty out. You come back, get filled again, empty out. So we have to stay filled. There's yes. one baptism in the Holy Ghost, many fillings. Yes. And it's our job to stay full of the yes, Holy Ghost, you know, to overflowing. Yes. Because it's the overflow that helps other people. Amen. He's in there to help me. He's yes. in there to help me work on my lawnmower or whatever I need him to do. Right. He's there to help me. He's a helper. Right. Yes. He was identified by Jesus as the helper. Yes. He's a helpmate. Yes. And, and uh, I have to do something for him to help me. Yes. He's not the one that does it all. Amen. He's the one that helps me yes. do it all. Yes. If I don't do anything, he don't have anything to help me That's with. Right. And so, you know, we have to do our part all the time. And then allow him to do what we can't do. Amen. And, and here's right. the thing. I don't want to minimize his importance. He is God. He's God, the Holy Ghost. But uh, I don't want to call him a bug. But we can have a friendship with him. Yes. And the only way we could have that friendship with him is if we recognize him as a person. We can pal around with him, so to speak, you know. He's going with us anyway, whether we like it or not. Once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, once you're born again, 
You become the property of God. He's gonna He's gonna keep an eye on you and keep you safe. He's gonna go with you everywhere you go. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you anyway. You might as well make the best of it. Hallelujah. Be a good friend to the Holy Ghost. Let him be a good friend to you. Yes. Talk to him. Yes. I don't care if somebody sees you talking, they think you're crazy. You know you're not crazy. And you know who you're talking to. Yes. Talk to him. And then expect him to answer you. It might be right away. It might be next week. It might be next month. But he will answer you and it will always be on time. Amen. I've asked him things before and a month later in the middle of the night. That's it. I got the answer. Wasn't thinking about it. We didn't go to bed with it on my mind. Nothing. It just, it was the right time for me to have the answer. Before that, it wasn't the right time. And we got to get to the place where we really trust him. Yes. Because we don't. We don't trust him. We don't trust God the way that we should. Right. And, and when you pray and ask God for something or you pray and ask God to uh, take care of a situation or help you with something that you can't help, then you just have to rest in the fact that he said he'd never leave you, forsake you. He's going to fix the problem. He's got it. Don't worry about it anymore. Don't glorify it by talking about it anymore. Just know that he's going to take care of it. Yes. If I ask my wife to do something for me, I know her well enough that she's going to do it. I don't worry about her doing it. I don't remind her that she has to do it or remind her of what she said. I just know I asked her. She said she would. That's the end of it. How much more will God if you ask him? I mean, she's reliable, but how much more right. is God reliable? And Amen. how much more capable is he yes. of doing things that we can't do? Amen. We need a personal relationship with the Holy Ghost. Yes. We need a personal relationship with God, and it's not going to come unless we have, have a personal relationship with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.